Guys, welcome to the Pure Progress Lifestyle, where the only thing that matters is progress. Today, we're joined by Yogi Aaron. Yogi is a well, Yogi Aaron is a well sought after yoga instructor. He's the co-owner of Blue Osa Yoga Retreat and Spa in Costa Rica. He's created a revolutionary approach to yoga called Applied Yoga Anatomy plus Muscle Activation. He's also an author and he's written his newest book on the topic that we are really going to get into today is stop stretching. Aaron, welcome. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Brett. Absolutely. So what, what got you started into yoga in the first place? I was a person, I think like a lot of teenage boys, um, young, young men who, was very active. I snowshoed. I dog sledded, canoed, um, cross, cr- cross country ran, um, lifted weights. I mean, just everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and my body started tightening up. And as I looked around and I saw older people who looked old, I realized like one of the, one of the common denominators was limitations in range of motion, mm-hmm. uh, aka muscle tightness. And just the way that they moved. And I realized if I want to stay young and healthy, I need to get into stretching. So I got into yoga really for stretching. And, um, and then of course late, you know, as the time passed, it became more of a spiritual practice for me. Mm. But initially that's why I got into yoga was just to stretch and to try and deal with some of the muscle tightness. Now <clears throat> stretching, did you find that it helped when you first started doing it? I, you know, I, 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 not really, (laughs) I, I didn't realize this for a long time, but I never really had problems with my body before that. Mm -hmm. Um, but now that I go back and I start looking at how things happen, one of the things I realized, and I remember the day that it happened because it's a day that was etched in my brain, but that I really hurt my back and I was only 18 at the time. So I had already started stretching, but I really badly hurt my, my back. And then after that, you know, I would go do more yoga and then I would hurt my back more. And then I would think, Oh, well, I hurt my back because I have tight hamstrings or I have a tight back. And we, you know, these are the words that yoga people use. We need to open the hamstrings. We need to open the, the hips. We need to open the back and which is insane. But now I look at it, but <clears throat> I realized like, you know, my chronic pain journey intensified and I never put two and two together uh, for a long time. It took me about 25 years to finally realize, Hey, this stretching business is not what it's cracked up to be. Right. For sure. And I know there's, there's new um, data out there that's saying, stretching doesn't prevent injuries. Yeah. And that's actually, you know, pretty, um, like I've discovered that in my own, you know, my own practice, not yoga, but just my own fitness stuff. Sure. Is, you know, 
One point of stretching that I do think is beneficial sometimes is when you're trying to get full range of motion, you know, for sports. Mm -hmm. But as far as like preventing injury, that's just not going to happen because Mm -hmm. once it just doesn't make any sense how if you stretch the muscle out, it's going to not get injured. Like any way you move a certain way, it's going to get injured. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can unpack what you just said a little bit more in terms of, of building range of motion for certain exercises. But what I will say is, yeah, I want to edify what you said about there is so much data coming mm-hmm. out now that is showing that a, and, and, you know, if you go back and you look at all of the research that's been done, there's never been one study to prove that stretching actually prevents injury. In fact, the studies either say it's inconclusive or as you pointed out, that actually can make things worse because you do lose the force output of a muscle uh, when mm. you stretch it. And mm-hmm. biomechanically, just so your listeners, because I know you have a lot of sports people that listen to you, that biomechanically what happens is we actually desensitize the nerves. The nerves actually become desensitized. And you don't want those nerves to become desensitized. You want those nerves to be active. So they're communicating messages to the central nervous system. And those messages should be like, hey, we need to contract. And the central nervous system sends a a message back saying, okay, contract. You know, it happens at lightning speed. But when you stretch, you actually desensitize it. And that's called proprioception. So the proprioception between the brain and the muscles becomes less. It doesn't become more. And so when you do, when you want to improve muscle function, the key then is like, okay, well, let's move in a way that's going to dynamically shorten these muscles. Um, So kind of going to what you just said, like if you're working, like, let me use the example of a ballerina. So if a ballerina wants to improve range of motion and get her leg up, then the best thing for her to do is to start lifting the leg up and getting the muscles, the hip flexors, AKA working Mm -hmm. as opposed to her grabbing her foot with her hand and bringing it up. Because if you, if you open up a range of motion without the muscles working, then there's instability that will happen at that joint. And and of course that instability leads to pain and problems. So, (laughs) so where do you think all all this got lost in translation between, you know, blood flow being there and stretching where the two kind of got mixed up. And like, maybe I can word that better. Like, where do you think people thought it would, it was about the stretching and not more about the blood flow being in the muscle. Um, I, well, I th- I'm going to kind of inter- reinterpret your question and and then you can tell me if this is what you're asking. It's like, mm-hmm. why did stretching become so famous or popular? Well, I can, you know, sort of like, I know it's popularized, but I know, you know, it's more about the muscle being warmed in the joint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying, you're saying, you're asking a question like how, how come people use stretching to warm up? And, right. and I, I don't know. I think that if, if I kind of, and this is just my own perspective, I don't know if this is really true or other people will have the same perspective, but my perspective is before yoga really came on the scene, people didn't really stretch that much. 
before, you know, working out, quote unquote. Um, but as yoga became more popular, and I kind of blame Madonna for that. Because <laughs> when she got into yoga, it was like everybody else got into right. yoga. And I think that then, then we started to see a lot of, of like, you know, weights and yoga and, um, and, and kind of like these more, I don't want to say dynamic, but more active kinds of yoga to engage, you know, more bodybuilders. And so then it became more mainstream. The idea that stretching improves muscle function or even increases blood flow, eh, it's, it's iffy at best, whether or not it increases blood flow, but it's just the worst thing that you can do. And, and I, the reason I often say that the blind are leading the blind in this world. Somebody says, Oh, I think this is a good idea. And then 10 more people go, huh? Right. I'm going to try that. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I feel better. Okay. So now I'm going to hold this as the truth. And what we often forget, and this is something I think it's really important, especially in the fitness world, just because something feels better doesn't necessarily mean it is better. And, you know, I often say doing a line of cocaine oftentimes makes you feel better, but it's not something that you should necessarily do. Or drinking or drinking a bottle of wine in one sitting, like right. it may feel good now, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for you. So we have to kind of like reevaluate. And I think that people you know, need, you know, I invite people often just to kind of step back, look at the information, try a different approach and see if it makes sense for you. But the science is becoming more and more clear. Like there's just stretching does not improve blood flow uh, to the muscles <laughs> per se in the way yeah. that you're thinking about it. And also when I think about like warming up the muscles, what I want to make sure in, in, from a, a Yama perspective, from a muscle activation perspective, is that those muscles get activated. Like there's, you want to improve that proprioception between the brain and the muscles so that when you do go exercise, those muscles are contracting properly, aka moving, moving your, your skeleton and supporting joints. So yeah. stretching does the complete opposite. <laughs> yeah, it does. You know, I was, thinking about it because I was a baseball guy you know younger in my um teens and 20s but they're always saying like don't you gotta sh if you're gonna weight lift that's fine but you want to stretch the muscle out yeah and I'm just thinking like that doesn't make sense at uh from a physiological point yeah because if you like you want the like the more compactful like a baseball swing is or just a range of motion is the more power it outputs. Yes. You stretch it out, the less it's like stretching a rubber band out constantly. Yeah. It loses its elasticity and the less power it has. Yeah. Well, and also too, I just want to kind of edify what you said because what a lot of us forget is basic muscle function. So how do muscles work? Muscles need to shorten in order to work properly. Um, if it doesn't shorten properly, your body then recruits other muscles to maintain stability through a range of motion. Example of that is like if you bend forward to pick something up off the floor, if your trunk, you know, your trunk flexors, your abdominals aren't shortening properly, your body is now going to recruit your back muscles to stabilize your body through as you're bending forward, which is not the job of the back muscles per se. Mm -hmm. And 
So when you are like, you know, either hitting a ball, you have to have those muscles being able to shorten it. And there's so many muscles that are supporting you that need to shorten properly. And I, I find it really funny, especially reflecting in my own journey as a yoga person, that where did I think like, we need to lengthen muscles in order to improve muscle function. It's actually, that's not what muscles need to shorten. They need to be able to contract and contract properly. And as you just said, like when you lengthen muscles and you're forcing a muscle to lengthen, you're actually now inhibiting or creating problems within that muscle. <laughs> right. For sure. And I also just add one little thing and, and that is, you asked me like why I got into yoga and I said, because I was tight. A lot of that tightness was in my hamstrings in 25 years. I never, ever, ever had one teacher in fitness or in yoga, especially in yoga, come up to me and say, Hey, Aaron, you're tight in your hamstrings because your hip flexors are not contracting properly. Mm. And that just is blue blows my mind. Cause now I don't really have tight hamstrings anymore because I get my hip flexors to work properly. I don't deal with that tightness I used to deal with where for 25 years, all I was obsessed with was trying to quote unquote, open my hamstrings and which I never dealt with the source of the problem. The source of the problem was my hip flexors weren't working as a protective mechanism. My body was tightening up my hamstrings as a response. And so it's like, you know, when we think about stretching, stretching deals with the symptom, but it does not, it never deals with the cause of the problem. Right. So then in my mind, how does one, you know, open up their flexors? Because in my, like the only thing that would pop them to mind naturally would be stretching. Yeah. Well, what I no, I didn't want to open up my hip flexors. My hip flexors were weak. Mm -hmm. And so coming back to a statement I just made, we forget the the basics of muscle function, which you and I learned in in all of your listeners learned in grade school. You know, we learned that muscles have to contract to move bones. Mm -hmm. We know we learned that there's a reciprocal action between muscles so that one muscle contracts another muscle will lengthen, right? So there's this agonist-antagonist relationship. So with the hamstrings were tight as a response to my hip flexors not contracting, not shortening properly. Once I started, you know, doing a bunch of isometrics and, and muscle activations for my hip flexors, aka my psoas, you know, my rectus femoris, my quads, Mm -hmm. Um, all of a sudden now my tightness in my hamstrings is no longer a problem anymore. So the hamstrings being tight was a symptom of muscular weakness. That muscular weakness was my hip flexors. Once I improved the hip flexors ability to contract, to shorten properly, now I have stability in my, my hip my hips and the hamstrings are no longer tight. <laughs> mm, that makes sense. So, yeah. you know, I do have um, female listeners. So here's like a big question that I'm sure yep. it's on their mind right now is, okay, so what about for ballerinas? What, yes. how, what, what do you suggest they do instead of stretching? Cause I know that's probably big, like stretching out, like having to do the splits and all sorts of, you know, flexible things that they have to do. 
Well, I'm just going to preface this by saying two things. Well, one thing first is I'm not a ballerina and I've never been one. Um, so I can't speak from that base of knowledge, but one of the people who I've quoted a lot is this woman by the name of Sue Mays, who is the ballerina director of the Australian ballet company. Okay. And she forbids her dancers, her ballerinas to stretch. Really? Um, because for all the reasons that we've been talking about, like you just don't want to open up a range of motion and be weak in that range of motion. And, and you look at the lifespan of a lot of ballerinas. It's a very short lifespan. Um, by the age of 22, 25, you know, a lot of them have to tap out because of so many, you know, injuries and, um, um, and if they continue, they just, you know, con- constantly are bandaging, you know, themselves up, taking a lot of pain, you know, medication, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what Sue Mays realized is just, in, you know, what we've been talking about is like when you do stretch, you lose stability in that range of motion. So she wants her dancers to work dynamically and open up those ranges of motion dynamically. So it, instead of like grabbing your foot and bringing your foot up, she would have them work dynamically, like lift your leg up, bring it up, bring it up, you know, and, and that's how she would start to open up those ranges of motion. Mm. Well, that makes sense. You know, just yeah. not just from the ballerina point, but through all of, you know, professional sports and even yes. into the youth, you see so many injuries now. Yeah, and I know the big thing is stretch, stretch, stretch. You got to make sure you stretch. Sure. Got it. So with all these, you know, sports programs, the more, you know, people put in more work. What's the number one that they always suggest? You got to stretch. Yeah, it just seems like to me, the more people are stretching, the more injuries are are happening. Yeah, but you know, one of the things that a lot of yoga people do incessantly is compare themselves to gymnasts. And mm. so we often look to gymnasts and go, that's what we want to do. And you see a lot of, you know, you just have to turn on Instagram and you see like all of these yoga people doing these incredible things um, and trying to mimic gymnasts and calling it yoga. That's another story. But the the thing that I the point I'm getting to is like, if you look at gymnasts again, like much like ballerinas, but even more so, I think with gymnasts. There is such a high rate of gymnasts that have to tap out due to injuries and they just injure their bodies so bad. If you look at like the starting lineup of, you know, Olympic athletes, you'll be hard pressed to find one that doesn't have ace bandages wrapped around their knees or their back or their wrists or their shoulders or, you know, heat packs. And I kind of did a dive into it because someone took real offense to me saying that, like, why are you dumping on gymnasts? It's like, I'm not dumping on gymnasts, stating facts. And, and, um, you know, I came across this one, one article, uh, statistic that said that 93% of, you know, competing gymnasts end up getting surgery. (laughs) And you look at like, you know, and and usually it happens somewhere 25, 30 years old, they're having some problems physiologically. And so a lot of that, again, is just you're opening up ranges of motion. You're putting enormous stress on the body. 
Um, and as you stretch, you weaken those joints. You don't strengthen those joints. You weaken them. When you're younger, of course, you bounce back quicker, you know, because of all those HGH uh, hormones. But as we get older, that, of course, all slows down and we you know, then end up not being able to recover as quickly. And so we, my teacher, Greg often says from muscle activation technique, he often says that age, you know, getting old is really a symptom of the neuromuscular connection that has been bombarded due to stress, trauma, and overuse. If we can get that nervous system working properly, that neuromuscular connection, there's no reason for us to really feel the effects, the ravages of age in our body. Right. You know, and that makes sense. Just, I mean, I'm a big NFL guy, but just, it makes so much sense as to why most dudes, you know, once they get hit the thirties, it's like they're 60 years old. Yeah. If you think about it, how many times do they stretch? So by the time they're up in their thirties, when, you know, logically a 30 year old is still so young, like their body yes. should be functioning to the max <laughs> and they've stretched so much to where it's like, they've just lost all their speed, their flexibility, yes. the, the tightness of their muscle contraction. Yeah, absolutely. It just makes sense. So, By the way, just little fun facts, since you're an NFL person, my teacher, Greg is like the main, one of the main uh, muscle, he does muscle activation technique to the new, uh, to the Denver Broncos. So, uh, he's like, he's like their main guy. He's been their main guy for a long time. Uh, okay. so I just thought I would throw that out there. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Little plug for Greg. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So then maybe he could explain the whole Denver Broncos situation. <laughs> well, maybe that's a whole other, I, I'm not a football person. So that's where my knowledge stops. <laughs> gotcha. So how does your practice different from, you know, the traditional yoga? Well, you know, in coming up with the Yama applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation, I, you know, there's a few questions to answer first. What is yoga trying to teach us? And how do we use the postures to elevate the yoga practice, if you will? So, you know, a lot of people often think in the West, like yoga equals these kind of stretching kind of postures and the stretching postures, quote unquote, is just like one little drop in the ocean of what is yoga. So yoga is a practice that ultimately helps us to or empowers us is a better word to manifest and live our life purpose to manifest life's purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and so therefore yoga is also the process of removing all those obstacles. Now in a roundabout way, which I could take about 30 minutes to explain, but I'm not is that we do the postures then to build this body up, you know, and, in, in the lane that I kind of drive in, there's a few points to make, but one of them is that when we're in pain, we can't function in life. You know, if you ask a hundred people, you know, when you're in pain, are you thinking about life's purpose? All of them will usually say no. You know, it's like all you want to do when you're in pain is how do I get out of pain? Right. <laughs> so, you know, the, that was the big question. It's like, how does, how does the practice then support more stability in the body. And to me, stability means that there's no pain. It also means a few other things that I have strength that I have, um, um, 
you know, proper muscle function to go out and do the things I love. So one of the things I like to do a lot is hiking. For me, when I'm hiking in the mountains, it's like, that's my connection. One of my connections to purpose, you know, and so then I bring it into yoga and it's just kind of flipping the script in the way that we approach yoga postures. We're no longer trying to quote unquote stretch, but instead activate. And there's a, there's a few different guidelines to do that. But if I may just kind of give you, you know, one cue, it's like, you know, the popular yoga pose is triangle pose, trikonasana, triangle pose. So a lot of teachers will cue this pose by bringing the arms out, you know, your legs are spread apart and then you reach with one hand, you reach with your torso one way and you bring that hand to the floor. Mm-hmm. Now you're opening up a whole range of motion that your body's not prepared for. There's no stability in that range of motion. The way I would cue that pose is a little different. I would have them cross their arms and then bring, you know, the one shoulder close to the hip. Now you're engaging the lateral obliques, which is really the big benefit of triangle poses is actually strengthening the lateral obliques, um, alternatively side to side. So, you know, I just, sometimes I would just have people keep their arms crossed because as soon as you open the arms, now there's that tendency to quote unquote drop into your flexibility to drop into a range of motion. So it's kind of like, instead of thinking about the side that we're stretching, I'm now only concerned or, or interested in engaging the side that we're bending into. Does that make sense to you? Yes. No, it it totally does. Yeah. So it's no longer like, how far can I go into this pose? That's that we take that right out of the equation. It's how can we improve the muscles uh, that are co- supposed to be contracting as we come into a range of motion, as we come into, um, a pose. And there it changes the dynamics completely. Uh, one of the best kinds of yoga poses is twists, you know, and twists should activate the rotators, which the, you know, the two main rotators is the transverse abdominus and the obliques. I was thinking about the obliques with you as a baseball player that if your rotators aren't working properly, that stress is now going to go into your shoulders. And what do baseball players end up dealing with? A lot of problems in their shoulders. Most of it, not all of it, of course, most of it can be traced back to the obliques not contracting properly. And that rotational aspect of the obliques not functioning properly. So in yoga, a lot of times people do these twists, but they always use an outside force to deepen, quote unquote, the twist, which then, of course, has a very negative impact on the rotators. So the way I teach a lot of twists now is taking that passive external force out of the equation and just using our oblique muscles to generate the twist. And of course, then people become uh, stronger because of it. Mm. Yeah. And one thing that you, you know, you touched on that I kind of do want to dive into is from my understanding, like I, I haven't dived too much into yoga, mm-hmm. but you know, my understanding of it when I first, you know, heard about it, when it, you know, became really popular, like you said, when you did make the, um, when Madonna, totally made it mainstream (laughs) it was more like a spiritual practice you know Mm -hmm. 
and just evolved into now it's like more people use it for stretching like it's going to help them you know i've seen this in jujitsu so many times like people are like oh yeah just do yoga just do yoga just do yoga like i, th- yeah. I always thought yoga was more like you know spirit like it's unlocking things you know in your mind and not just about stretching mm, yeah so when do you think that really uh the the switch kind of happened yeah i i i cited madonna and i think madonna is what kind of pushed yoga over the edge in mm-hmm. in my opinion but actually i think it happened much before madonna i think that jane fonda is one of the big culprits and Whoa. you know um and and i i by the way i love jane fonda so i don't want to diss her but and i don't think she did this with malice intent but you know she was in la making her Jane Fonda workouts and some of those workouts ended up being yoga. Mm -hmm. And so she then presented yoga in, you know, leotards (laughs) and like warmers and this kind of aesthetic, if you will, which then we started to see shortly after that, that how yoga started becoming more mainstream in gyms. Mm -hmm. So this kind of cultivation of, of, fitness instructors who are teaching, you know, these kind of keep fit jazzercise, you know, aerobic style classes had no knowledge at all of yoga. And, but then we're asked by the fitness coordinators, Hey, we want to slide in a yoga class um, once a day. Can you teach that? And of course they would say yes, because they want the, you know, the job. Uh, but they had no knowledge of yoga. And so what they did was they thought, well, yoga equals stretching and I need to play music. And so they just started to invent this kind of style of yoga, which, you know, then kind of started moving into the uh, yoga studios. And it was like, who can play the best music? Who can play the loudest music? Who can have the highest temperature of heat in their yoga classes? Um, who can, you know, make people sweat the most? And so we just kind of saw this evolution from this basic tenant. And are, were there other causes? Absolutely. But that's kind of how I see the evolution of how yoga has really become what it is today. And then, of course, you know, Lululemon came on the scene and um, that was also a game changer because they really kind of sportified uh, the idea of what yoga is. And so, you know, from a, from a one perspective, you know, a lot of people put on Lululemon and automatically think, oh, now I'm a yogi. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, of course, they probably would never admit that. But in, in a deep, you know, unconscious level, that's what's starting to happen is that we see people feeling like they're being reaffirmed as a spiritual person because they're putting on Lululemon clothes and going to a yoga class. But, you know, yoga, is, as as you kind of mentioned beautifully, is a practice to open up possibilities within our mind, to open up doorways within our mind. And, you know, whenever I lead yoga teacher trainings, I always set a very high bar for my teachers and you know there's a few kind of bars to set but one of them is that ultimately a yoga practice 
should you should leave your yoga practice feeling completely at home and at rest within yourself. Mm-hmm. And I would look out into the yoga world. I don't see a lot of yoga people really at home and at rest within themselves, um, no. completely at rest within themselves. Uh, and in that place of being at rest, those windows of potential of manifestation uh, begin to open in the mind and we see the doorways of possibilities opening. Um, so I, that's what I'm on a mission to do is to flip the script and come back to what yoga should be about. Um, as opposed to just going into a place to sweat as much as you can. <laughs> right. that's, that's basically what it has become. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I hate to even say it, but it's like a dime a dozen, you know, I ask yeah. most females like, Oh, what do you do to, uh, stay, stay fit? Oh, yoga. Yeah. I'm like every time I'm mine, I'm like, I always thought yoga was supposed to be something completely different instead of like yeah. a workout. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, people go to their yoga classes to get exercise, which is also kind of comical to me because, you know, even, even if you teach like a high speed yoga class, it's never really going to be that much of a cardio workout. You know, if you want a cardio, go for a walk, you know, go, um, go bicycling for 30 minutes, uh, you know, go hiking, you know, you're going to get a better cardio workout than in your yoga, but definitely, um, that that's an area that we need to flip the script on. (laughs) I definitely think it does need to be brought back, you know, because like just, you know, the things you mentioned, it's like about possibilities, you know, like unlocking, like being in touch with the universe instead of just um you can go outside and get if you need if you really need to get a cardio and you can go outside and just do that but you know it just there was a beauty in it even though i never partook in it like my understanding of it was yeah just amazing like breath work like poses to get not you know to really for acrobatics and all but to unlock open your mind to like what is up there yes and I th- absolutely I think that's beautiful for sure so what um you said you know, i was reading over your story you had crushed your leg and um mm-hmm. w- walk me through like some of the things that you know you've gotten pain free from that sure yeah so when i was leading a trip in the himalayas one time um, a boulder came down the mountain and, and hit my leg and broke my femur, like literally in half. Mm. And, um, so that was its own sort of journey because we were 26 kilometers. I don't know what that is in miles. Sorry. Uh, but 26 <laughs> kilometers from the cars and from help. And so that was kind of an interesting journey to get back and then get to Delhi and get into the hospital. But coming back, you know, as you, as you alluded to, it was a huge journey. I would say though, that I think I had a lot of problems. Not I think I had a lot of problems before I broke my leg Mm -hmm. and then breaking my leg just kind of exacerbated all of those problems. I was telling you about my weak. Uh, uh, hip flexors. Mm-hmm. And so it just made them weaker. 
And because I didn't really exercise them, I was still in the mindset of stretching. Um, and then when I was around 45, this is 25 years after, you know, doing yoga, stretching, teaching, stretching, I ended up in an emergency room in the hospital because my, I had so much back pain and they traced it, you know, I had a herniated disc and the doctor, the orthopedic surgeon was like, you know, we may need to do surgery on you. We may need to do um, a spinal fusion. And that was like a huge wake up call for me. Cause I was like, I'm 45. I'm only 45. You know, I've been through the ringer already with my broken leg. Now I'm 45, you know, and this is not living my best life. <laughs> so, so it really kind of forced me to, or invited the opportunity to say like, what else is there? And that kind of led me into muscle activation technique, uh, which is, I would honestly tell you is where I've really began to heal, not only heal my body at a profound level, but also get back stamina to get back strength and to get back range of motion that I thought I would never have. Um, again, I thought that I was just going to live the rest of my life, um, in pain all the time. Uh, and really, now I just don't really have pain anymore. I know what to do with myself. I do it. Um, and I make sure that my, my, you know, muscle function is working properly. Um, and, and that's what motivates me to, you know, teach others <laughs> and right. share this with others. Right. Now, do you think that was, that was sort of meant to happen? Like as, as, crazy as that can sound like oh nobody like just wants to break their leg or crush their leg and then have immense back pain to where they gotta go to emergency but times like that you know like you said forced you to question what you thought was reality yeah i mean i you know i don't know if i buy into the whole universe is trying to talk to you etc etc for whatever reason you know my karmic the karmic wheel brought me to that moment, both of those moments. And, and I, you know, the pain, pain is a great place for people to um, jump off of if they, you know, use it to grow from. And I definitely use that as, you know, the breaking my leg did so many things. I mean, in that moment, there was a moment, a moment, a big moment on the mountain when I thought, this is it. I'm going to die here. Um, and, and part of that was because no help was coming. The sun was starting to go down and we were up on a glacier and there was no firewood and there were all of our clothes had gone with the porters. And I thought, I'm going to freeze here. I'm in shock and I'm going to freeze. And so that kind of gave me a moment to pause and really kind of have an honest conversation with myself. Am I happy with my life? And since then I now like live life even bigger than I did before. And the answer was, yes, I was happy. I had to come to a place of contentment. And I honestly can tell you, Brett, I don't feel like afraid of dying anymore. Mm. And, and that kind of came up recently 
as I was, <laughs> it's not just going to sound funny to some people. I went in for a colonoscopy and, um, and as they were putting me under, you know, you have to sign all these forms that you could potentially die. Right. And I realized as I was going in, it's like, wow, this is what death feels like just drifting off into a void. And I am content with my life at this moment. And it's just that moment, like since then has done two things. One, I have no more fear of dying really. Two, um, I live every day more fully and I am constantly asking myself that question. How am I living a more purposeful life? So that is probably one of the biggest takeaways I took from that experience. And then with this whole pain thing, you know, ending up in the hospital was a huge blow to my ego. It, it called into question everything that I had learned. And I just want to add, like, if most yoga teachers were in my position, they would be yelling over their shoulder as they were being wheeled into their procedure. Don't forget to open your hips. And um, so, you know, a lot of people kind of stay stuck in their paradigm. Um, I used it as a catapult, catalyst, sorry, to catapult me into, you know, understanding the body biomechanics at a different level. I'm like, there is something I don't know and I need to know what is going on. And it, it challenged me. And then as I got into that, it inspired me to, you know, create a Yama and to what my big mission is, is to help people get out of pain. Cause I see so many people, uh, with hip pain, with lower back pain. There is a yoga teacher that just emailed me literally two days ago. And she said her email was titled gratitude and I don't know her. I've never met her, but she just randomly came across a podcast, like what you're doing with me right now. Mm. And she just randomly came across it, got her into my YouTube channel. And she said, had I known about you, I would have come and done your teacher training, but I did my own. I did this teacher training. And of course she said it was great, but she said at the end of the teacher training, she ended up with chronic hip pain. <laughs> and I just, I just felt so sad at that moment because it's like, that doesn't have to be the journey, you know? Um, and, and it's just, it's just that what I endeavor to do is, is at least try and teach some yoga teachers something real about biomechanics rather than, you know, what, what the yoga world likes to make up. <laughs> right. Right. For sure. <laughs> so that's what, that's what propels me. Mm, I love it. So you would say that, um, muscle activation is the secret to staying young and pain free. The short answer is yes. It's a little bit more involved than that, but that, that would be the short answer. Um, what's the long answer? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what we, in, so let me answer this from an MAT, try to answer it from an MAT perspective, which is, you know, I don't teach MAT. I teach a Yama, which is different, but everything I've extrapolated has come from MAT in one way, shape or form. So the MAT world, we look at you know, we, we are constantly looking for where we're weak. Greg often says, I don't care what you can do. I care what you can't do. Mm. So for example, if I can turn my head 
you know, all the way and look over my right shoulder, but I can only turn my head left uh, 45 degrees. I can only turn my head to the left halfway. All of a sudden now I'm, I'm seeing that there's an imbalance in my neck rotators. Now, Mm -hmm. what a lot of people will do is just ignore that imbalance. Like what is the source of that imbalance? Um, and they'll ignore it and ignore it and ignore it. And then all of a sudden now they, they start to lose rotational aspect, maybe in their trunk and spine. Maybe they start to walk a little bit more funny because they can't, you know, their neck rotators aren't working. Maybe the way that they see life, literally, I'm, I'm not talking figuratively. I'm talking literally the plane, which they're viewing life starts to shift. And so now they start walking funny. All of a sudden they got pain in their knees and their hips and their lower back. And so all of this starts to have an effect on us and our, the way that we walk, the way that we hold our bodies. And then of course, what starts to happen is muscle tightness, uh, kicks in and more pain kicks in. So we start to limit range of motion. So from an MAT perspective, Greg is always looking at, you know, we need to bring our bodies in, get it tuned up like we would our car. And so what, what, what we do in the MAT world is we're looking at, well, where, where is the problem? Where are the source of the problems and endeavoring to get those, those areas, um, working properly so that other tightness in the body doesn't start settling in. Okay. No. So, but the short answer is yes. And what I found Brett is in my teacher trainings, I've got, I get people coming for 14 and 28 days, but somewhere around day six, it's always, it's always the same somewhere around day six, day 10, everybody coming in with chronic pain, the chronic pain is either dropped down to like a one or a two out of 10 or zero. Really? And I'm like, that's watching that happen has fascinated me that people that thought they had to live with pain are not having to live with pain anymore. And it's really fascinating to watch that process unfold. And so as we're doing muscle activation, we're just improving, again, muscle function. If the body is supported by muscles that are working, then the stress is no longer there. And people need to remember this, the result of stress is always going to be inflammation. So if a joint is stressed out, there's going to be inflammation. And then that inflammation exacerbates more problems. If you get the muscles working, inflammation disappears really quickly. No kidding. So yeah. Like just I'm just, you know, for myself, like would somebody have to come down and learn this from you? Or like how how would they be able to do this like at their house? So I I mean I've created um a lot of different content. People can just flip on my YouTube channel and uh learn a lot um if the people just go to my website they can tap into i've got a lot of free stuff there's one series that i've got called uh seven days to becoming pain-free um there's also other things there that are for free and uh and people then can get access to my youtube channel i have an online platform uh i've also just created an ayama certification program and so part of that thinking process was to create it for fitness trainers, was to create it for yoga teachers or anybody who wants to live a pain-free life. And so it systematically starts to educate and take people through a process of 
you know, what are the main muscles in the body? Uh, so before we're talking, for example, with you being a baseball player and, you know, a lot of ba- baseball players end up with shoulder problems. Well, a lot of those shoulder problems come from trunk rotators not working properly. So what are those trunk rotators? What are the main ones? Obviously, we can't break down all of them, but what are the big key ones that we want to address? Usually when you get, not always, but usually when you get the main muscles working, uh, then the other muscles start to actually get stronger. Uh, so that's, that's how people can access it. Um, I would invite people to just go to my website, check out what I'm doing and get plugged into our Ayama stuff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, cause I'm just thinking about it just for myself and as, you know, as a, um, fitness creator, um, that I, you know, help people with is people are always asking me, you know, what, what's your, what's my thoughts on stretching? And I'm like, I've always told them, you know, if it's something you feel like you got to do, yeah, you know, then I'm not going to tell you not to do it. Sure. You know, if you feel like it's working for you, well, I'm not going to change that. But if yeah. I, it's something that I've never done myself, yeah, maybe that's just been instinctually. You know, cause I've never, I've never had a pulled hamstring. I've never had a pulled, um, anything. I've yeah. just always believed in if you're warming up, even going through like squats, like I've never really believed in stretching for the squats or make sure yeah. I've always believed in just making sure that your blood flow, your, your body gets warmed up as the more you warmed up, the more you're able to do, the more range of motion you're going to have. Yeah. And so they've also asked me, what about yoga? What do I think about yoga? I'm like, I can't tell you too much about yoga. I just know it's about stretching. <laughs> <laughs> but I, one of the things that I do like that you're, t- you know, talking about is because I know most people want pain free. Yeah. And I've seen so many people do yoga and it's, I don't really know if they're pain free, but they'll tell me that, you know, they, they think it works. Yeah. I don't know that that could just be placebo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no scientific evidence to show that stretching helps, um, or prevents injuries. And, uh, again, there's no doubt that doing a yoga practice and, and I'm just going to say any yoga practice, you know, even the ones that play loud music and turn the heat up a lot and maybe even have a light show. No matter what the yoga practice is, to some degree, there's going to be some internal feeling of, of, of some feeling of being, you know, better. Right. And now you can attribute that a lot of times, a lot of people mis, misinterpret like a spiritual high with a physical high. Right. So a physical high is like, you know, the endodorphins are going and, did I say that word right? Endodorphins. Um, you've got, you know, all of these different chemicals now pumping through your body. Your blood is moving. Your, your, your lymphatic system is starting to pump properly. You know, all, there's so many benefits. And, and, but then also too, when you're moving the body with the breath to some degree, like you think about how much more, even in the worst, possible yoga class, you're still going to breathe a little bit better than you did before you walked into that class. Uh, so there's all, you, as soon as you start breathing, our breathing is, is our connection to our unconscious. Our breathing is our connection to 
you might even want to say spirit, you know, and to the sacred. And so as soon as we start doing that, there's going to be a feeling better. So I don't, I think that some of it is placebo and some of it is, is, you know, there's actually, you know, real biomechanical stuff going on. Uh, but the possibility of what, if you're going to go into an hour yoga class in my mind and just try to see how much you can sweat versus going into a real yoga class where the teacher knows how to skillfully open those windows of possibility in your mind, you know, which one do you really want to choose? And, um, so, and then also too, then we get into the whole thing about stretching. And so, yeah, you know, stretching does make you feel better. There's definitely a physiological, um, again, rush, if you want to use that word, um, of, of feeling better. And I think it does have somewhat of a soothing effect on the parasympathetic nervous system, you know, helping us to get into rest and digest. Um, but it's definitely from a, you know, a neuromuscular standpoint, it's not helping things. And, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because something feels good doesn't always mean it's the best thing to do. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Either, but that's that is the fitness community or the fitness yes. industry in a nutshell. Yeah. Always like what's good for the goose is always good for the gander, then. Yes. <laughs> so what's next for you on, on your journey here? Well, right now, I've just, as I mentioned, um, we've launched the Ayama certification training. Mm-hmm. Uh, my big goal, my big vision is to begin moving more and more into some of the fitness world part. Um, I'd like to be able to find ways that we can start presenting this information in different fitness communities. Um and I'd like to see, like, you know, I think a lot of, you know, people in the fitness world learn anatomy and they go deep into anatomy, actually. Um, I remember I did a training, uh, as a fitness teacher, you know, back in my early twenties and the anatomy is intense, but the problem is that a lot of it's not functional. A lot of it's not experiential. So my vision is to bring more of an experiential aspect of what is actually going on and how do we improve, you know, these muscles? How do we improve, uh, muscle function? And so that's, that's one part. And then my other big part is to flip the script in the yoga world around flexibility and stretching and to bring yoga back to what it's supposed to be about. So that's, that's my big jam right now. Mm, I love that. And, <laughs> you know, just before, you know, we wrap up the show, I do want you to talk you know, a little bit about your retreat. Mm. I'm dying to hear about that. Yeah. So I, um, in 2010 opened up blue Osa yoga retreat and spa in Costa Rica. Um, for those people who don't didn't hear the word, it's blue Osa blue, like the color. And then OSA 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 is a Spanish word. And it means bear. I don't know why they call it, you know, it's, it, we're located on the Osa Peninsula. So for some reason it's bear peninsula. I don't know why, but, but, uh, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. And I'm not, you know, being glib. It, the, where we're located is near the right next door to the Corcovado National Park, which is literally one of the crown jewels of the world in terms of nature. Uh, National Geographic coined it as one of the most biodiverse places on the planet. 
and um there's two so statistically there's 2.5% of the world's biodiversity there and our place is located right on the beach and we're surrounded by jungle and there's always like you know oftentimes there's four species of monkeys around us and there's all kinds of tropical birds scarlet macaws toucans uh and it's just a really magical place and the goal of opening blue osa was to give people a connection into the yoga tradition. Mm-hmm. And again, talking about what we talked about, you know, the purpose of yoga is to open up those windows of opportunity in your mind. And, and both my, myself and my business partner, we both had that drive that we wanted people just to come to create a place that was still. Um, like for example, we practice morning silence until seven 30 mm-hmm. in the morning and there's no internet, you know, there is internet there, but just in the morning, it's turned off until 7.30 to invite people into a space to get still and then to listen. Uh, one of my favorite quotes comes from Mother Teresa, who said, God speaks and the heart listens. And so meaning that we can't hear if we're constantly talking, you know, we have to uh, just get really still and quiet to listen to the source. And, um, so that's, that's our goal. And we've been open now. This is 14 years and, uh, still going strong. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm such a believer in morning, uh, morning silence. It's, yes. It's, it's, it's no essential. It's like it. Yes. You know, when you something to be said, like when everything is off and then when you're just at, you're alone with your thoughts it's like yeah. sometimes for somebody that's never done it it's overwhelming like yeah. oh this is what's going on yeah for sure yeah. what else um what else can people get with the spa sure i mean people can come we we have three different kinds of offerings at blue osa so people can come with a group um we have a like upcoming retreats page people can just choose a retreat that they want to be a part of People can come as a personal guest and have their own personal retreat. Uh, so we have a ton of great packages. We have one package, which is really popular called our spa package. People can get a spa, you know, a massage every day or a body wrap or a body scrub or something like that. And then people can come and study with me for like a training and get trained in a Yama and learn how to live their best pain-free life. So I also offer those trainings as well. Mm, love it. Do you ever, you ever, um, I know there's, there's, uh, quite a few fitness influencer, influencers on Crestor here. You ever run into them? Not so much. Not so much. I, uh, yeah, they sometimes will message me and, uh, and, um, and try and get a free stay, but I don't, we're not uh, really so welcoming yeah. to influencers. <laughs> uh, I, I don't blame you on. <laughs> I have a lot of stories I could share about that one, but I'll just leave it at that for now. <laughs> I hear you. Where can people, um, I know you already mentioned it, but again, where can people go to find you? Uh, people can go to yogiaron.com. That's Y-O-G-I-A-A-R-O-N. And com. And it's just like mm-hmm. I said earlier, a portal into the world of Yogi Aaron and there's a ton of free content 
you know, I just, if you just get plugged into that and feel inspired, you know, keep going, keep learning more. Um, if you want to live a pain-free life, study what I'm teaching because it works. It always works. So, um, yeah, get connected. I'm definitely checking it out. And where can people go to find your books? Um, again, just go to yogiaron.com. Also, my book, Stop Stretching, is on Amazon. Uh, I also have a podcast series, uh, which is like a docu-series. It's an eight-part series. Mm-hmm. And that also is um, called Stop Stretching. <laughs> so if you search Stop I, Stretching, I, I I'm sure you'll find something. <laughs> Go to Spotify, search Stop Stretching. Go to Amazon, search Stop Stretching. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Very, very enlightening, very knowledgeable. And I think it's opened the eyes of people for sure. I hope, I hope. And, you know, people want, you know, to learn how to live pain-free 50%, I believe is just stop stretching, stop stretching. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the other 50% is now let's start addressing, you know, uh, the muscles and we do that through muscle activation. So that's, that's like a 50, 50 approach <laughs> to get to the 100. I yeah, love to get it. to the 100. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Brett. Really appreciate it. No problem.